This, this is the second, second Story Podcast. Second Story Podcast. Here in Chicago, Valentine's Day hits at just the right time, providing that bright contrast to the dreary clouds and the crunchy gray pile of ice and snow right outside your front door. Valentine's Day gives us a reason to snuggle up with those that we love, or a reason to go out and hook up with those that we might love. This week on the Second Story Podcast, company member Sarah Zamatis tells her own love story, but not one that you'd expect around this pink and fluffy celebration. With her chosen family evolving right before her eyes and her chosen lover growing distant and detached, Sarah shares her story of friends, females, and fighting for the love that you deserve. Flirtini in hand and brilliant smile on her face, Sarah asks us to honor those who hold you up, even when you can't hold yourself. With I Gotta Be Me, Second Story is proud to present Sarah Zamatis. You know them. You fear them. I was one of them. Excuse me, ma'am, would you care to try this new fragrance today? A perfume pusher. Look, I was 22, fresh out of college in the cornfields of Illinois, and an actor. As some of you might know, actors sometimes have a hard time making ends meet. So when a friend told me that I could make $15 an hour just to stand there, I said, sounds better than a street corner. Although not without its similarities. I was born to sell anything. As a child, I sold painted rocks and butterfly kisses and magic marbles. Compared to that, perfume was a cinch. And soon, I was a full-fledged member of the Saks Fifth Avenue fragrance family. (laughs) And like every family, we were a little dysfunctional. There was Rose. She had been running the counter since Jesus was a boy. (laughs) Andy, our gift wrap guru. Valerie, who had been caught more than once stooping somebody in the dressing room. And my favorite, Rich, a professional drag queen whose signature impersonation was Tina Turner. I was their naive little sister, eager, soap-scrubbed, and innocent. The rest of them felt it was their duty to look out for me, which basically meant they wanted to know everything about my love life. At the time, I had just started dating Scott. He was a rock band roadie, so I only saw him when he was in town between gigs, and he made it very clear that although this was fun and all, he wasn't really ready to commit to anything, which, of course, made me want him all the more. Girl, this Scott sure seems to light your fire. When do we get to size him up in person, Rich asked and asked and asked. So, on Scott's next layover to Chicago, I convinced him to pick me up from work. Oh, you must be Scott, said Rose. Sierra didn't tell us you were such a hunk of man, said Andy. Look at those hands, said Valerie. Rich just stood there groping Scott's bicep. After ten minutes with my fragrance family, Scott was literally dragging me out the door. Quite a gang you got there, Sarah. But I didn't want to talk about them. I wanted to talk about us. Was there an us? But Scott wouldn't let up. What's the deal with that pretty boy? Rich, is it? Well, sometimes it's rich, I said. 
But the other times, it's Xavier at Carrington Cuffy Colby Snow. <laughs> Scott raised an eyebrow. He was as green as I had been when Rich first introduced me to his alter ego, so I tried to explain. He has a passion for wearing women's underwear. Well, not just their underwear. He really likes women's everything. And he competes against drag queens all over the country for titles and crowns. It's like Miss America, but with more makeup and less lights. <laughs> for the rest of the night, I kept trying to pin down when I would see Scott again. And finally, it came clear as we were saying goodbye. Well, this tour is going to last like three months, he said. Three months? I tried to hide my disappointment. Maybe I could come see you on the road somewhere. We'll see, is what he said. But what I heard was, you don't want to get mixed up with me, Sarah. I'm a loner, a rebel. <laughs> While Scott traveled the country on a tour bus, my fragrance family filled my social calendar. Girl, you got to come down to Halstead this weekend, Rich would say. My dress shines so bright, it's going to knock those judges' eyes out. And I got the wig, girl, Tina would be proud. The drag competitions were always educational. Usually in Boys Town, the guys on stage looked better than the biological women in the audience. It was a real mind bender, particularly because I was usually always, pretty much every time, overserved. After one particularly raucous night at the manhole, I, for reals, you've been there? Yeah. I rolled into work a little late and definitely worse for wear. Today is the day, Rich announced, smiling like a Cheshire cat. I laid my head on the Yves Saint Laurent counter and groaned, what day? Rich is done. It's Xavier's springtime. Time to blossom. Time to bloom. I groaned again. Would you please translate for the alcohol impaired? <laughs> Decisions have been made. Transformation time, sister. My mind is ready. This body has served its purpose, and I'm becoming the woman I was always meant to be. I waited around in his metaphors for a moment. You're going to live as a woman? in the daylight. That's right, sister. You better up your game if you want to keep up with me, because it's going to be an all-eyes-on-me situation. <laughs> that it was. He started gradually, still wearing trademark suits, but with a little more makeup. Then he added a jaunty neck scarf and pointy-toed high heels. Next, his name tag changed from Rich to Xaviera. But the day that he truly became a she was when she came to work in full drag makeup, toned down to look natural in the light of the sun. Right. Hair extensions that created a lion's mane of curls and a flowery spring dress of light chiffon, accent scarf trailing off behind her. One day, R. Kelly came to our fragrance counter. You know, you know R. Kelly, right? The I wanna fly, I believe I can fly guy. The guy who likes the ladies, the really young ladies. Anyway, R. Kelly visited, and Zav was on him like white on rice, giggling and tossing her hair. As she presented the new fall fragrances, R. Kelly leaned over and whispered something to his bodyguard. No need to be shy, sweetie, Zav said. 
I know it's hard to focus when I'm talking. And she laid her hand on top of his. Kelly pulled his hand back like it was on fire and said, Bitch, please, I'm just freaked out that you're a dude in a dress. Zav inhaled deeply as she straightened up, six foot two of pure, proud Mary. She looked down at that little tiny shell of a man and she said, I know who I am. I am me. I watched in awe. I hadn't felt like me in such a long time. My loneliness was turning me bitter, especially towards couples at my counter. I would sabotage boyfriends with stinky gifts for their lovers out of spite. I was allowing myself to be put on a shelf by Scott. I have never been one to be shy about my feelings. But then Zav got right in R. Kelly's face and she hissed, Instead of being all up in my business, shouldn't you be off robbing a cradle somewhere, baby raper? He had no time to reply before she stomped off in a lather. Now, for reasons I can no longer recall, I promised Xaviera that I would judge a drag competition in Aurora. (laughs) And wow, I had no idea how far Aurora was from the city, both literally and figuratively. After traversing highways I had never heard of, I arrived at the hotel, a typical suburban Ramada Inn. But once I walked in, typical ceased to exist. The place was wall-to-wall men in women's clothing. Now, I do say men in women's clothing rather than drag queens, because the term drag queen signifies a certain sense of style, flair, exaggerated reality. This was more like... Do you remember when Fred and Barney dressed up as Wilma and Betty? Yeah, it was more like that. The lobby lighting was not kind, revealing five o'clock shadows caked in cover-up and masculine beer bellies draped in caftans. It was just so sad. Dorothy, stop gawking, said Xaviera, coming up behind me. Tonight, her look was more classic Marilyn McCoo solid gold, floor-length beaded gown and a feathered wig. You're not in Kansas anymore. I need a drink, I said. Don't worry, honey. Uh, you are our honored guest. Drinks are free and flowing at the judge's table. The ballroom had a few rinky-dink moving lights dotted around the floor, giving it the appearance of an eighth-grade dance, with a runway straight down the center. Zaviro was the MC for the evening, and she was radiant on the mic as she introduced the contestants. And now, from Bloomington, Indiana, Amanda Hug and Kiss. <laughs> the competition was a blur. I was kind and cautious in my comments at first, but then, by the time I had finished my fourth flirtini, I had become the Simon Cowell of the judges' table. Caddy, critical, and too drunk to realize that everyone in that room was completely and utterly comfortable with themselves. Everyone except me. The queen was crowned, and I found a seat at the bar, waiting for Xaviera to wrap it up while I was trying my damnedest not to fall down. 
Next thing I knew, there was another drink in front of me, and a mid-40s Rue McClanahan look-alike had her, his, her, his arm around the back of my stool. A pretty straight thing like you shouldn't be left alone with so many piranhas in the room, he said. I laughed. <laughs> a huge five-martini laugh. We got to chatting, and I learned that Jim, or Sheila, as she was going by tonight, was a fancy downtown male lawyer by day with a wife and three kids. So, uh, how does your wife feel about all this? Oh, she's fine with it. We both respect each other and do our own things, you know? No, 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 I didn't. But wait, wasn't that what Scott and I were doing? We were living completely separate lives and choosing which parts we would share. This was not what I wanted for my life. I wanted a boyfriend. I wanted a partner. Shit, I wanted to fucking even know if we were together or not. So, what do you say, Jim Sheila asked. I realized his, her, his or her hand had migrated to my back. I'm sorry, what? I just was thinking about, oh, honey, don't think. Tonight is about doing what feels good. And this, this is going to feel real good. Oh, my God! She, 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 she was leaning in for a kiss, all tongue and dangling earrings and stubble. I pulled so far back that I fell off the bar stool, causing quite the commotion. Jim Sheila picked me up and to the gathering onlookers said, I'm going to take her to my room to lie down. I was totally lost. I was drunk, wobbling, strong-armed into an elevator, and just as the door was almost closed, a large, well-manicured hand forced it back open. <laughs> Sheila, what in the holy hell do you think you're doing to my sister? Xaviera, my knight in shining sequins. She poured me into the car, and I blubbered as she drove me home. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing, I'm lonely. I miss Scott. I just, I want. Does he know what you want? I don't know. Do you know what you want? I don't know. Look, girl. Decisions need to be made, and you need to make them. You need to be clear about what you want instead of always being along for the ride. I'm just a mess, I sobbed. She reached over the stick shift and grabbed my hand. Oh, honey, life is messy. Haven't you figured that out by now? After she dropped me off, I stumbled into the house and I caught sight of myself in the mirror. It was a real pull-myself-up-by-the-bra-straps moment. Maybe calling Scott right then was the best course of action. Doesn't it always seem like a good idea when you're drunk at 3 a.m.? <laughs> hey, babe, he said. That was a first, babe? <laughs> that threw me for a loop. Scott, yeah, just finished work. I'm just having a beer on the bus. Scott, look, we're rolling back towards the Midwest tonight. You want to come see me in Columbus? Scott, look, I need, it's just, I had a really weird night, and I couldn't stop thinking about you, and I just don't know where things are saying that. <laughs> I stopped myself. I took a deep breath. Well, looking in the mirror, I took the plunge, finally asking him, what are we? At first he was silent. 
And then he said, we're just us. That was almost 18 years ago. A lot has changed. A lot has stayed the same. But I'm still just me. And we, we're still just us. A thump butter, a thump butter, a thump butter, then you got my feet. My heart loves and I must go to so dance in front of paradise. A thump butter, a thump butter. This story was curated by Megan Steelstra, Amanda Delheimer Diamond, and Jessica Kadish, with performance direction from Julie Sadowski and a sound design by Nick Kawahara. Now, scheduling and life prevented Sarah and I from sitting down to chat about this story, but you can find more information about Sarah, including great pictures of her and Scott's three beautiful children, on the Second Story website at secondstory.com. Be sure to join in the live conversation. Join us for our next event in Chicago at the Peckish Pig in Rogers Park on March 7th and 8th. You can also visit us on Facebook or Twitter to interact with Second Story artists and performers about the work. You can always reach me for comment on this or any other Second Story podcast at podcast at secondstory.com. Be sure to follow Second Story on Twitter at Second Story or on Instagram at Second Story Chicago to get behind the scenes of our curation process. If you like this podcast, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes so more listeners can find and hear this work. Second Story podcasts are brought to you in part by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the City Arts Program, the Chicago Community Foundation, part of the Chicago Community Trust, and the Arts Work Fund. Second Story podcasts are produced by Eric Hazen, with special thanks to Sherry Pentamone and C.P. Chang. We share our story, so you'll share yours. Now go out and knock them down with story power. I'm Ozzie Totten, and this is Second Story. <laughs>